It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome to the Sports Objective Podcast. I'm Dave Richmond along with Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, man? Doing well, guys. I uh, hope you are. Great, and uh, maybe we'll see if we'll get Kyle from the Grange Barber in a little bit. Uh, we got a guy that's uh, been helping out with the podcast for a good while, and uh, certainly a member of our team. Glad to have back with us, Brendan Shapiro. How are you, man? I'm great, man. Me on. Great to have you back uh, in Greenville. I know that you uh, took the holiday break, and uh, glad to have you back. We'll be playing the practice report. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be talking to you just a little bit about the mood. Uh, maybe you can give us a little bit before practice how things. Um, I know you didn't get the chance to see practice because it's a close practice, but uh, for media. But Brendan was there. We'll be talking about that a little bit. Pirates got a big game, Bubba. I tell you what. Um, We'll be talking about stats, but Tulsa coming to town. Um, we're going to release this podcast. You're recording it Tuesday night, so the big game is tomorrow, but you may be listening to this Wednesday morning. It's a huge game at Williams Arena Menzies Coliseum. We want everybody to come out to, to see the game and be loud. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Pirates seeking um, a three-game win streak in the American, and uh, believe it or not, folks, this is our sixth year in the league, and that has never happened, so... Uh, Get out to Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum on Wednesday night and uh, help the Pirates make history. Um, but um, like you said, uh, Frank Hayes Ball Club on um, Tulsa is ten and six coming in, and um, they are actually coming off a big win over Houston, uh, which was rebounding, or excuse me, the Golden Hurricane re- rebounding from a very big loss at Cincinnati the previous time out. Yeah, I think the uh, I want to get your take, Brennan. Uh, that game on Saturday was unbelievable. Um, the crowd was right before we started the went on the air for recording the podcast. I really thought. I know they said it was four thousand. It sounded like it was a capacity, like standing room only, as loud as it was in that game on Saturday. I really believe that the uh, Pirate fans, Pirate Nation, was the sixth man and uh, definitely made a huge difference. And I've always heard. I know Dilly's talked about it. There might be anywhere from the difference of four to six games you can win a year, um, especially, well, obviously home games, because that's your home crowd, um, can make a huge difference. And I thought Saturday really made a huge difference for the Pirates. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, I I definitely think that the fans have a lot to do with kind of, you know, hyping the team up and um, making it more, you know, making it a lot more difficult for, uh, for the opposing team to operate and and to focus, and I think that Pirate Faithful really showed up this past Saturday, and it, it really shows you how just how loud Minji's can be. I mean, that was only half full, and it, it was it was deafening. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how how the crowd shows up tomorrow. No question about it. I mean that. Bubba was bringing you in because I really felt like with Wednesday night's game, you have an opportunity. Um, it's a Tulsa team. We'll, um, by the way, we have a special guest. Do you want to uh, plug him before we get uh, dive deep in the in the breaking the game down? Yeah, here in a little while we'll catch up. Um, um, you remember back, I guess, right around Thanksgiving, shortly yep. thereafter, uh, we caught up with um, Ryan Token and Matt Rectine. Uh, from the Golden Hurricanes, uh, 
a podcast devoted to Tulsa athletics. So we um, had the opportunity to catch up with Ryan again, and uh, we talked Wednesday night's matchup and what Tulsa has done up to this point in the season. So we'll have that for you here in just a little bit. Yeah, I really uh, believe my point was I believe that um, that Tulsa is a decent team, but it's not it's not going to be a team. I'm not saying to take anybody for granted. I mean, my God, we uh, we'll talk about our stats in a little bit. I want you to talk about. We'll talk about Dewey, and uh, he's turning this program around. I'm confident of that. We'll talk about that in a minute, Bubba. But I felt like with uh, with Tulsa, uh, I remember, Bubba, I'm going to give you credit. Uh, Thank because, you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I remember you talking about you and I were, and Kyle, we were looking at the schedule, and I know, Brennan, we've talked to you about it. Um, but looking at the schedule, this homestand we had early on in the conference, we you said it best that, this was a good chance for us to really get off to a good start. And, you know, you look at that Wichita State game, and we looked at that, it's like, oh, my God, that's a mountain. But we played very, very well against Wichita. And you're hoping that it's not just, okay, it's the opening of conference play. Um, hopefully this is not a flash in the pan. And, look, here we are sitting in the conference 2-1. and one, And there's a lot of – we were talking about the parity of the league. There, there's five teams right now, two and one, as of yesterday. I haven't looked at this, the standings today. But there was five teams yesterday that were tied for third place. Um, and considering – it is early, but considering where we were even, what, just a month ago? I mean, look at how much the, the growth of this program, the growth of the team. We have a chance for Wednesday night's game to really make history, but also – Let's uh, let's help uh, Dooley and his staff and the team out by going, cheering as loud as you can. I told the story before we started the podcast about my daughter. I'll, I always get on her for being loud and screaming, and she was looking at me, and I told her, it's okay. That's the great thing about sports. You can be as loud as you want to be. You can scream. You can jump up and down and dance. And she came home and told my mom how, like, she was telling on me <laughs> that I was dancing and Daddy was loud and acting crazy and jumping up and down. Um, but I really believe that Wednesday night's game is so crucial. We've got a huge game, gentlemen, on the road on uh, Sunday. We so far haven't won a road game this year. We're 0-4. So that puts, there's many reasons why Wednesday night is a huge game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And like you said, um, even prior to us playing a game this year, and I mean, it goes without saying, after that 2-7 and seven start, it became that much more important. But um, even right. pr- prior to uh, playing a game, you knew that this stretch that we're currently in, um, that we're wrapping up tomorrow night, um, playing playing eight games at home uh, out, of, out of nine ball games, that lone road game being at Wichita State. Um, so you knew this was a stretch, so we're really going to have to play well and collect a lot of wins. And fortunately, we've been able to do just that. Hopefully, we can uh, finish the stretch uh, going 7-1 and one in our last eight. Um, obviously, the stretch started off uh, very poorly with the loss to Coppin State. But since then, we've played very good basketball. Yeah, when you giving credit to Kyle when he said there was four games left in the non-conference. Hey, if we could somehow win those four, I mean, we did. And then you and you play well against uh, Wichita State, and then you've—it's uh, hard to believe. I mean, winning two straight, and then we're uh, we have a chance to win three straight, which never happened. I mean, that's just. Uh, but you know, Bubba, make that point for me that you were telling us um, the last forty-five years of our pro basketball program. This will 
For people yeah, that don't this, know this, will blow this your is, mind. This isn't something uh, I'm saying or we're saying to harp on the negative um, for sure, but this is just this is just uh, something that will certainly uh, provide some perspective and for those who don't right. realize how how poor East Carolina basketball has been over the years. Um, this program, since I think it was the 1974-75 season, has yep. finished above 500 in conference play just twice. And um, both of those seasons were 9-7. and seven. Uh, the, oh. the, fir- the first was in 96-97, which was uh, under Joe Dooley. So um, that year we, we went 9-7 and seven in the CAA. And then um, I guess it was – I'm trying to remember which season. I guess it was probably the – 2012-2013 season, um, but one of those years under Lebo, I believe it was the one I just mentioned because of the CIT run. Yeah. But uh, we, we finished nine and seven that year in Conference USA, and that's it. Other than that, I mean, we we had a handful of seasons where we finished 500, but um, for the most part, it's been um, certainly sub 500, and a lot of times well below 500. So and, that that just again, that's not to harp on the negative. That just gives you. Uh, some perspective and shows the magnitude of what this staff is attempting to accomplish. Well, that's what you, when, uh, it's reality and, um, it's not something we're making up or twisting the facts or the truth. It, it is, uh, just like Joe Crotty said, just the facts, ma'am. Well, the facts are that our, our basketball program has had, like you said, some bright spots, but nothing, um, that you would say you could hang your hat on or the culture, and, you know, Dewey made a good point. He said, it's not a rebuild, it's a build. And uh, I think that's what uh, we have to, you know, I know there were fans that were upset, and I was disappointed and frustrated that early uh, slow start. But, man, Brennan, when you look at the the talent on this team, I was telling you guys before, I've been really impressed with the freshmen. I know with uh, Coleman, uh, he's off to a slow start. But, again, as a whole, with the recruiting class that Dooley and the staff put together this past year, plus the transfers, I really believe we're starting to see something special. And I didn't want to say that after Wichita State or the 4-9 conference games, but I think we have a good enough sample, um, the last handful of games, that you can say that they're turning the corner. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I think in a few years Dooley will really – put together a winning product. I mean, I think we're already seeing the start of it, but, you know, it's right. going to take time to really um, establish that culture. But, you know, I think that, I mean, people in this community and, and Pirate fans, they're they're ready for some, some at least halfway decent basketball, you know, some competitive basketball here. Right. We've had historically, not the last few years, but historically a, a pretty solid football team. We have a fantastic baseball team. Right. You know, it's, um, or, uh, you know, programs. The only program that's, or the the only main, you know, revenue program that's lacking behind is, is basketball. We've just never been able to figure it out. I think part of that is uh, as a result of just being in a state with so many other basketball schools. But, um, you know, I think that Joe Dooley is and his staff are recruiting hard. I think that they're they're going at it full force, and I'm happy to see that. It's interesting, Bubba. You know, when um, you and I, somebody asked me, oh, it was uh, it was actually where I worked. A lady asked me, and she said, 
Evil? I said, absolutely. I said, I'm a diehard. And as she was asking about East Carolina, I said, I'm a diehard fan. I said, recently, I've had a lot to die hard about, uh, except for maybe the baseball program and non-revenue sports are doing well. Um, but having said that, I really believe that, um, you know, last year we had that win at home against Cincinnati uh, with talent. I mean, that's the thing that is impressive to me is, with the talent coming together, it looks like we have talent to compete in American. And if somehow you could, you know, out of 12 teams, if somehow you could finish, I'm hoping for eighth place this year. But if even if you, if you don't, you start to see the, I hate to use the term signature wins, but I, I started to look at the schedule and, you know what, um, hopefully you, you go from being embarrassment, um, to the next step is where I think we are now. Um, to keep things, speaking of keeping things in perspective, I'm doing that for Pirate Nation. There's highs and lows as fans, but I really believe that we're now where that next step is being competitive. You look at Wichita State, there's no moral victories. I hate that term. I'm not a moral victory guy, but I'm starting to believe that. Um, I think, what did you say the record's been the best we've done in the league is 6-12? and 12? Yeah, the best we've uh, been in the American is 6-12. and 12. Um, I think that that was our first year back in fourteen fifteen, and then okay. also our third year in sixteen seventeen. We finished six and twelve as well. And as far as the the streaks are concerned, I know, uh, like I said, we've never won three games in a row in, in the league, um, and we've only won two in a row and now three times. Um, we we'd won two in a row back in fourteen fifteen, and then also um, that following year in fifteen sixteen, we also won. A couple games in a row, um, but so so even in sixteen seventeen when we won six ball games, we were never able to win um, consecutive games, and we did that year uh, finish the year uh, very very strong, relatively speaking. Uh, we we won something like five out of our last nine, including including a first round conference tournament game. You guys ready? Uh, before we go to the press conference, uh, Brennan. Uh... What did you think about today? I know you didn't see the practice. It's closed practice, so it's not like Brennan got to see practice. But did you get a sense or a feel being in the practice facility? And I know they had the practice, obviously, at Menji's uh, Williams Arena. Uh, obviously, it's the, the day before uh, a very crucial game. Uh, every ga- game is, is big. But, man, if it's somehow we can win uh, Wednesday night's game, that's going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um First of all, I'm very impressed with that practice facility. I mean, that thing's pretty nice. And yeah. you know, the way they they really tried to decorate it and the banners hanging in there. Um I will say one thing about the players that I've noticed as a as sort of a media member is um they're all very humble, you know, and, and nice and um you know, they there doesn't seem to be any huge egos that, you know, stick out and kind of, you know, I, I, I didn't really get any bad vibes from anyone. Um, you know, everyone seems humble. Everybody seems like they're, uh, like they're devoted to, um, turning this thing around and, but as a team. Yeah, I think. Yeah. No, Dave, something kind of uh, building on what Brennan or where Brennan was going with that. Um, 
uh, a quote that really jumped out at me from Joe Dooley. He said, I think it's a team that can grow on people. They're, they're young, and they really don't know what they're doing yet, but they, they do try pretty hard. So uh, he was just talking about how valuable all the practice time uh, during this during this stretch where we've played eight out of nine games at home uh, compared to being on the road so much and just how important that's been with all these new pieces uh, having the extra time in the gym. It was funny, Bubba, and Brennan, uh, I know you've been in, on break, but uh, great to have you back again. Um, I know that's the uh, life of a college student. We're so happy to have you back, but it was uh, funny. I was talking to Bubba. If uh, could have, should have, what have we didn't, but you go, you know, three-point shooting was uh, terrible uh, at the beginning of the year, beginning of the season. And you look at it, the Liberty game, is, Liberty is a very good basketball team. Um, but if you take away the Liberty game, there's so many games we were so close. You know, six points we lost. I mean, how many times? Two or three times? I mean, where it was like two three-pointers. And, and you look at it, and the stats are like, oh, my God, our three-point shooting is awful. And then the defense, it wasn't good. And then we have the... The issue with uh, free throws have been not our best. But then, all of a sudden, above, I don't know what it is recently, but it was like, what, 71% at one point as a team? It was way better than we're used to seeing. So Yeah, well, here, here yeah, a couple games ago, that it was as high as like 74%. But like you said, we've been able to win despite the free throw shooting not being as good as what we would have liked. But as far as that goes, guys, uh, yeah, you, you can certainly use other folks' uh, failures and numbers to to try to rationalize anything. That's not what I'm doing. But just the free throw shooting, um, the game tonight, uh, Clemson taking down Duke. Uh, both of those teams, not uh, not just uh, Duke, yeah, they were but, awful. But but both of them shot um, at one point there in the last minute of the game. They were both ten out of twenty from the free throw line. So it's far from being just the Pirates. <laughs> and yeah, we're actually a, pretty pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of the Pirates, you want to go to the the uh, practice from earlier today, their media availability. Uh, we had Coach Joe Dooley. And obviously, uh, we got two players, thanks to Brennan. Uh, we had Charles Coleman and, obviously, Batumbo Brody. Uh, let's go to – first, we'll go to Coach Dooley. Then we'll have Coleman and Brody. And let's go to the practice report right now. All right, Coach, well, how's this team going since the, the victory on Saturday? How's practice going, and you guys ready to go again? Well, we were off Sunday. We had to get the guys off, so uh, we, we came back yesterday. It was the start of school and went yesterday afternoon, and uh, a little sluggish to begin. Got it uh, turned up a little bit, and uh, hopefully have some, get some good work in today. The confidence has just changed with this team from game one to now. How, what have you seen from that angle? I think practice. I mean, I think the guys have, have, have figured out that uh, you got to prepare and practice. I think the other thing is we've had some time to practice. I mean, we've practiced together. We've, this is the longest stretch we've had a, enough bodies to go like we'd like to, and I think it's helped them. Uh, I think it's evident that we've gotten better in some areas, and there's still a, little, a, a ways to go. When you look at Tulsa, uh, that's a veteran bunch. Mm-hmm. Talk about them a little bit and what, what gets your attention. Well, I mean, Bonner gave us some problems last year, and they've got, you know, Brandon Rochelle is a really good player. They've, they've got some upperclassmen. I think seven of their top eight are juniors and seniors. They've been through it. Uh, you know, they play. A, they've played a really good non-conference schedule, and uh, you know had a real big win the other night against Houston. So they'll come in very confidently. Is part of this now that winning and handling success, maybe people telling them how good they are. You know, handling all that attention in a good way, I guess. Well, I mean, I think there's stages. I mean, I think you know, wanting to win, thinking you can win, and then winning are, are all different 
you know, stages. And I think that we're still trying to figure out how to win. And I, I mean, different times, I think the guys have to, you, know, you have to rattle their cages every once in a while. Because I do think sometimes, you know, they, they go away from what, what got them going. There seems to be a buzz about EC basketball right now that sometimes there isn't this time of year. How important is it to keep that momentum going, especially you know with a hopeful victory for tomorrow night? Well, I think the I think the this is a team that can grow on people. I mean, they're young; they really don't know what they're doing yet. Uh, I think they try pretty hard. Um, I think that's what our fans want to see: you know, just give a good, solid effort and continue to get better. And I think they see some young guys that we can grow this program with. You're playing. The- Suggs, Newton, a lot, Coleman, a lot of the freshmen now. How much does the, those live bullets help with their long-term development? Long-term, it helps. I mean, it, it really does. They get to play through mistakes. A lot of times when you're in an established program, they, they wouldn't get. You know, it's usually you, you pull the court on them real quick if they make a mistake. And, um, you know, they think the court's pulled quick anyway. But, I mean, I, I think they're getting to play through some uh, growing pains and they'll get better. And they've seen things. And like we talked about, it's going to be a big uh, spring and bring summer for these guys to get bigger, stronger, and, and you know get some more reps in. What do you want to see your team do better at like, as far as tweaking goes tomorrow night? Uh, I'd like to. We'd like to play faster. I mean, I, I think we, we at times we we don't play as fast as we can to play to our athleticism. But I think that uh, you know I, I think we could still get a lot better offensively. We're probably about a month or two behind where we'd like to be for for a number of reasons. But I, I do think we can get better offensively. Same type of thing. I mean, you guys got a lot of excitement brewing all of a sudden at East Carolina Power Basketball. The whole town's talking about it. How does that make you feel? Oh, great. Um, it's especially in the, in the uh, locker room. Everybody's like electrified and ready to go out and play tomorrow. What's been the biggest difference, that, you know, over the last couple of weeks versus a month ago where this team was? Um, I think everybody's like bought in and um, bought in, especially like in, into practice. It's like competitive, like every single day, and I think that helps like translate to the court. How about winning? How does that build the confidence? I feel like it's totally changed from game one to now. Oh, great, great. Um, I mean, with any team, winning definitely builds like confidence, and the more you do that, you know, the more confidence your team has. You seem to be settling in more every ball game. Uh, talk about your acclimation here, um, how things are going for you. Oh yeah, it's been, it's, it's been great. I mean, I think every game, I've been getting like more like comfortable, more comfortable, and I think the team's getting more like, comfortable playing like together and with each other. Has that been hard when you get so many new guys together like you guys have? I mean, that's, that's almost unheard of in college basketball. But has that been kind of difficult early on, especially with the injuries and just trying to learn, you know, one another's game? Uh, yeah, to, um, to start out, I think everybody was, was, like, trying to get to know each other and, like, learn each other's, like, different, like, playing styles. But I think um, now, and especially, like, starting, like, last month, I think everybody's, like, been gelling, like, well together. Let's talk a little bit about the excitement that this this team has done. You know, the last couple of games and everything that's been going on with the crowd and the two close wins and how much momentum you guys have. I think uh, the momentum is good now. Uh, of course, we have two wins in a row at home. It's always good to win at home, and the crowd has been very, very good for us. And hope more people come watch the games. How about the confidence of your team right now? How has that changed? Oh, definitely winning um, builds confidence, and we, we've won great games and difficult games and. It just makes us more confident in ourselves going forward. So how much have you guys found out about Temple? I mean, Tulsa coming up here this week, you know, in terms of what they do and what uh, – have you seen them on video? And Well, yes, yes. We watch, we watch tape on, uh, on Tulsa. And, but most importantly, like Coach said, we, we try to work on us and make sure we are ready to play them and not really focus too much on them. But we definitely – watch film, uh, know the tendencies, what they want to do, so we can be more prepared to play them. 
So. Have you noticed around campus or during class, or have you noticed a buzz, you know, on, on that part of campus at all this week? Uh, no yet. It's <laughs> second day. Okay. No yet. <laughs> How about the crowd at during this home stretch? You guys have had a lot of success here at Menjis. It was good. It was good to to have good feedback from the crowd, and more people are coming, and it's exciting. That's what we want, and hopefully they can see good basketball. Appreciate Coach. Joe Dooley, uh, taking the time right before practice, about 15 more minutes before practice, and with the media, thank you again, Brennan, very much uh, for getting him, and obviously Coleman and Broody, um, very excited about the game at Williams Arena. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see the uh, the crowd. Do you guys have a feel? Do you think it'll be about the same? I think uh, it hurts having it on Wednesday night, people go to church, the middle of the week, I know people, the students. I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to give you a shout-out, Brennan, um, because not you, um, because you're always there at every game, part of the Menjis Maniacs. But i tell you one thing. There was a lot of students on Saturday. Was it me? Uh, I felt like a lot of students there more than usual. I think, I mean, I, I think it was a decent turnout considering the school hadn't even started yet. Yeah. Um, on Saturday. Um, school didn't start till yesterday. <laughs> so, I mean – that you know, considering that, I, w- I was pleasantly surprised with the, the amount of students that showed up to support the Pirates, and um, yeah. you know, over there in the in the Menjis Maniac section, it, it got pretty wild. And yeah, that's, know. that's all you can really hope for. You know? Yeah, I was going to also say that, Bubba, your season tickets with your dad, and I know your mom, and but it was a. It was a great idea on the part of uh, our administration. We give them credit where credit's due, and I think they did a nice job of selling season tickets there on the bleacher section. I guess it's across from where the students are, but that lower that was another thing I noticed in the Charlotte game first, but then I noticed sitting down there was amazing, but then on Saturday, that lower bowl was absolutely going ballistic, going bananas, on Saturday, and it was nice to see that how loud it is right near the court. Yeah, no doubt, and something I wanted to uh, call attention to as far as the environment and atmosphere and, and the way it was on Saturday afternoon, um, something that Ryan Robinson put on Twitter, and um, that's what he, he just said, and he was so appreciative of Cliff Godwin and the baseball program for the entire team showing up and it's been well documented. Um, folks have talked about it on the radio since then, and you saw it on TV, the team going over there to celebrate um, with the baseball players. So that was awesome to see all of them there. And then also I think um, at least most, if not all, of the volleyball team was there as well. So that's that's great to see and such positive vibes and Pirates supporting Pirates and within ECU athletics. So hopefully um, – Hopefully that will continue to be the case, and uh, we'll have a good crowd tomorrow night. Uh, I, I know the SMU crowd was a little over 4,000, like we said. Um, hopefully this one for Tulsa will be push, pushing five or more. Yeah, you would hope that uh, that you do that. More students, i tell you what, the uh, I've talked to a number of students that volunteer at where I work, and obviously, Brennan, I don't have a pulse on every student, so I don't know, but they told me, that they love ECU, the school, they'll go to support, you know, obviously the big sports with football and basketball. And they're like, has basketball, and they've asked me that question a number of times, has basketball ever been good? 
I said, we've had our moments, you know, where the bright spots, but they told me, they were like, hey, this is true of any fan. They're like, when the basketball team starts winning or the football team starts winning, we'll definitely be there. And I was like, I know, you should be there anyway, but I get it. Everybody wants a winner, right? And um, it's yeah. frustrating. I know for Brennan, who, and there's a lot of number of uh, Menjis maniacs that have been there. <laughs> um, they'll be there regardless of good times, bad times, winning, losing, they'll always be there. But um, that's the thing is that I think the reason why we're having the crowds is we're starting to see, as Joe Dooley said early on, we have to put a winning product on the floor, right? And and we have. I mean, they've done an excellent job, and there was a lot of people criticizing Dooley about um, getting rid of players, and you're like, oh, my God, microwaving and, here we are, two and seven, and then here we are. We're all of a sudden we're five hundred now, and if people can get out tonight, uh, Wednesday night, if you can get out, please go out there and go to that game. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rocking. Um, and I think that this is one of those games where um, it's to me. I see it. How do you see it, Bubba? I see it in Brendan. I, I think this is an even game. This is a, this is a game that you could argue that Tulsa could win or East Carolina could win. And uh, and I think that that's that's the difference is the uh, the atmosphere at the game tonight. It's a home game. Sunday is going to be a huge um, uphill battle with Cincinnati on the road as well. We haven't won, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. We've got to get it done on tonight. Yeah, no doubt, Dave. Um, and kind of going away from the ball game for just a moment. I mentioned that name, Ryan Roberts, a moment ago. Uh, the assistant director for for external relations at East Carolina, and then also Eric Ward with sports marketing. Just I know Brennan, uh, you received some of the the coasters of the first 500 fans did on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, I was unable to attend, but my parents were, uh, so they were able to to get a couple of sets and um, were nice enough to give me one. And and those are extremely nice. I'm just very much like the snow globes that were given away back for the Charlotte game. Oh yeah, they're they're very nice. Uh, I think probably the the coasters are uh, one of the best promotionals they've ever done. Yeah, at least absolutely. Uh, and I mean, that, I thought that they were just going to be you know a couple of little plastic, you know, little plastic coasters, but no, I mean. <laughs> They're legit, you know. There, there's like a whole collection. Each one has a different logo from a different era, and um, they have like their own little holder. I was, I was surprised. Well, that's because of it, it. All comes down to the management. It comes down to administration, and we yeah. brag about them all the time. And and Ryan joked with us, and we're not getting paid. This is not a, technically this is not the ECU podcast. Like we're getting paid by the university or the athletic department but there's been so many good things they've done and i think this is another example of they get it hey yeah it's coasters but if we're going to do something we need to do it well you know i i don't know them very well personally but the one thing that i've been getting from john gilbert ryan robinson all the guys uh men and women of the department is i think there's a lot of people that are screaming finally we have leadership who Gets it. That's fan friendly. Who by the price? The price of. Um, and let me just say this too. I have my two kids that go with me all the time to games, and 
now you start to see where things are not costing as much. It's nice. I've been like forgetting. Like I've actually been putting out more money because I've I'm doing the old pricing in my head, <laughs> and and it literally I, I have to give them credit. Like the hot dogs and different things, they've really come down on the pricing. And yes, it's uh, probably you know more than what we should spend, but it's way better than it was. So I have to give them credit on that as well. All right, do you guys want to go to Ryan? Uh, hey, do you want to go to our next guest, Bubba? Yeah, to get a closer look at the Golden Hurricane, we caught up with Ryan Token from the Golden Hurricast, and let's go to that audio right now. Well, the Pirates have been playing really well lately on the hardwood, and right now Bubba got a big game, hard to believe, Wednesday night. Another home game, a big home stand for the Pirates. Yeah, with the Tulsa Golden Hurricane coming to town on Wednesday night, and we wanted to have a guy back on the show. We talked to him back before the Pirates played Tulsa in football. Hopefully Wednesday's matchup will go a little bit better for the Pirates. Um, but welcome back into the show from the Golden Hurricast, Ryan Token. Ryan, welcome into the program. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me back. I really enjoyed it last time we got to talk. I'm glad I'm back on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, I know that uh, with the basketball program, I was looking at the standings, and it, it's just amazing to me, Ryan, right out of the gate, I was going to say, looking today about how much parity it is in the league, how much uh, of this league is uh, really good basketball. Uh, when you look at top to bottom, uh, you can make a really strong argument. It's something we talk about a lot for a P5, a Power 5 uh, league when it comes to basketball, baseball, and football. But anyway, we'll leave that alone right now. But just want to get your take on how things are going so far for Tulsa. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's been really up and down. Uh, hold on, I've got a like call on me. I don't want to decline that. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really up and down so far, which I think has been the case for a lot of uh, schools in the conference, which is weird. Uh, you know, aside from maybe Wichita State, who's been killing it the entire time, um, it's been a really up and down season for the American in general, and I think that follows uh, for this as well. So we've been, you know, we sit at ten, 10 and six right now. And we've got a team that is really, like, they're really full of great athletes, but not full of consistent shooters, I wouldn't say. And last year, that wasn't wasn't really the case. We had a bunch of really good shooters last year, um, also good athletes. But I'd say it tends to swing this year towards more athletic but less, um, less consistent uh, shooting the three ball specifically. And things like that, I mean, when we're on, we can really – we've shown this year that we can really beat anybody when we're playing well. I mean, you just saw – Last Saturday, you probably saw that we beat Houston um, at home, and that was after, you know, after a 30-point loss the game before that. Uh, so when we're on, we can we can beat those guys. Beating Houston Saturday, we beat Temple by 30 just like a week and a half ago. Uh, we beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, and then when we're off, it is the total opposite. I mean, we lost Arkansas State at home, and they are a pretty mediocre team. We lost to uh, um, UT Arlington, who is I think they're like six and 12 now. Uh, we lost to Colorado State, which was basically a home game. Um, it wasn't at our home stadium, but it was here in Tulsa. Uh, so games like that, you, you know, guys just don't show up. And when we're not shooting well, like, our athletes can only do so much. It's, it's really a lack of, lack of consistency so far. Before we dive more into um, this team specifically, just generally speaking, looking at the big picture, I know Coach Hayes is in his sixth year now. Um, his first couple seasons, he he won 20-plus ball games. I think it was year two, uh, went to the NCAAs, and then had a losing season in the last two years. He's won 19 and 18 games, respectively. And like you said, 10-6 and six right now, 2-1 uh, and one in the American. So what's the, the fan base's mood um, and feeling toward Coach Hayes? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
it's pretty split. Um, I know there there are some people. Just I mean, my my understanding mostly comes from Twitter reactions and things like that. And it seems like I mean, I know there are people that are very for him, and there are a lot that are very against him at this point. I mean, he's been here for plenty of time. We we've known we know what his product kind of generally looks like. And so I'd say you know if I were to split it into positives and negatives on hey, um, I'd say his biggest positive honestly has been recruiting. He's been he's a solid recruiter. He's done a good job for us. And the players he attracts uh, are usually high-quality guys that perform well on the court. Um, sadly, that hasn't translated to wins recently as much as it, as it did in his first two years, but those weren't his guys either. Um, but his, the players themselves are, are solid, um, usually, usually under-the-radar type guys, a lot of big-time transfers. Uh, just looking at last year's class, I mean, and it goes back a couple of years with these kind of style of guys too, but last year's class was great for us, and they've turned out to be great players so far this season. And that includes Isaiah Hill, who's a freshman for us this year. He's a point guard uh, from Bakersfield, California. Uh, he ranks as the sixth best sixth best TU recruit of all time. Um, we got two transfers who, both from Community College, who are playing this year, and both of them have been solid. Uh, one of them is clearly our best player this year. But the, uh, the transfer that's not our best player, but it's still real good, Manny Ugbo. Uh, he's got two years of eligibility left. He's ranked as the fifth best TU recruit of all time. Um, the guy, I mean – had offers from Arizona, from UConn, Kansas State. I think you guys offered them. Um, LSU, Nebraska, and a bunch more. Like he was a big time get for us, and we needed. He's like seven foot, a big dude. Uh, he's been in the starting lineup the last few games too, which has been really solid for us. And then following him, um, the guy who is clearly our best player this year, in Brandon Rochelle, uh, from um, I think it's Pearl River Community College uh, in Louisiana, yeah. and he he actually is a four star guy. Uh, initially out of high school, went to LSU, and, you know, then left, went to community college, and now he's here. And he also had offers from, I think, from you guys and then from Pitt in West Virginia. And that guy, I mean, well, I think he, he leads us in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks. It's it's amazing. And the, he's been able to do it all for us. And so when he's on, I mean, the team goes as he and Darian Jackson go. Um, but he's been a big one, too. And then two guys we've got sitting out this year from this class, uh, we've got a Georgia Tech transfer and Curtis Haywood. We have an Arkansas transfer and Keyshawn Embry-Simpson, and both those guys will be huge contributors next year. So he's been killing it on the recruiting trail and continues to. Um, but there are some there are some negatives too. Uh, but outside of – I just want to finish out with the final kind of positives. And he's really a player's coach. I mean, you can follow along with Tulsa players on Twitter and stuff like that, and the guys just love him. Hearing them talk about him in interviews and stuff, no one ever says a bad word about hey. And, you know, they're not usually – they're not going to do that if they're, you know, being interviewed like that. But even when they leave the program, kind of things, talking about best coaches they've they've had in their past playing days and stuff like that, um, they all mention Haith as being up there. So the players really love him. And I think that goes under the radar with him, I think, that maybe we don't appreciate enough is Haith is really – he's really just a classy, collected um, guy. He, he doesn't cause problems with media. He doesn't cause problems with fans uh, in terms of getting people riled up for no reason. Uh, people just like him, like his overall attitude. So those Run are the positives for him. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask, well, I'm sorry, I thought you were done, about the uh, – we had Kelly Hines from Tulsa World on last year talking about the mm-hmm. um, the contract. How much longer is on his contract? Is it another one more year, or how long is it on the contract? He got – so I don't want to I don't want to miss say this, but he got a one year extension at the end of the year last year, which I think means he still has two years on this okay. current. I think he still has two years left. Right. Uh, I want to be we're going to make a decision if they're going to make. I know Kyle talks about this all the time, but they're going to make a decision 
then if they added a year, then you're stuck with, uh, what is it, a year left on the contract after this year? I think so, yeah. Okay. So, Ryan, one of the things that really stood out to me um, is you guys have nine different players that have started at least four ball games. And like you said, you have uh, Rochelle who started 15 out of the 16. And um, and looking at Rochelle and Horn, and, and those guys have combined to take uh, about a 30-year shot as a team. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been weird in terms of starting lineup, and that's kind of a hate staple. It seems like um, last year he did the similar thing where we would swap out our our starting lineup over and over and over again. And usually around conference play time, he lands on the guys he wants um, to be starting. But it's still like I we still I don't think have landed on the five that we're going to be starting every game, and I don't know if we're going to get there all year. Uh, it's just I think a lot of it we have a, a fairly deep team this year. Um, and so a lot of it will depend on matchups. Like uh, last game against Houston, we started Ugbo because Houston had a big time. Um, they've got a couple big big players. So does Cincy. Uh, like big guys. And our, our guy that's not Ugbo that's usually starting at the five for us is Martin Zigbanu. And Zigbanu is only 6'8". And that's a generous 6'8", I think, for him. Ugbo is, you know, he's a real seven-footer. Like he's a big big guy, big physical body. Um, so if we need somebody more like that, then we'll, then we'll start like that. Uh, but it can really it can really change. Like you said, it um, when it comes like when this team plays well, it's when Brandon Rochelle and Darian Jackson are playing really well. And if we can get the three pointer going from you know Dry Horn or Lawson Carita, that is a huge bonus for us too because three point shooting probably the weakest area of this team in general. I mean, you can look at the uh, the Cincinnati game just a few games ago. We lost by thirty one. And I don't remember what the exact number was, but I think we were we were over. I think it was 17 from the three point line in that game, and that is just disgusting. And then yeah. you come back against Houston, we made our first like three or four in a row at the beginning of the game, and you know it just sets us off on a totally different trajectory. So it, it falls on those guys to get things going. But with uh, Rich Allen, Jackson, and Horn, it's are, are definitely the the clear leaders. I was just going to say, Ryan, uh, I haven't had the opportunity to see you guys play yet, but I've. Like you were saying, as far as um, following the games, that Cincinnati game, I knew it was a competitive ball game at halftime, and then and then all of a sudden I look and I could not believe it when I saw seventy-five to forty-four as the final, and but then I saw like you were saying, zero for seventeen from three, and then it didn't surprise me as much. Yeah, it was it was bizarre, man. Like yeah, it was, it was close that first half, and it was close to start the second half, and then it, they just took off. I mean, we were both playing pretty badly in that first half, and then it, it pretty much stayed as Tulsa playing bad, but since he turned it around and they could actually do stuff on offense, and we still couldn't. Ryan, I was going to ask you, as far as the uh, tournament is concerned, what uh, do fans expect uh, Frank Hayes, Coach Hayes, to get to the NCAAs and IT? What do you think the expectations? I know they're 10-6 right now, but two, is it 2-1 and one in the conference? 2-1, um, yep. Okay, so uh, what do they uh, look like they're off, even though I know you said the there's inconsistency there. Some great wins, some good wins there, but also some maybe not so good losses. But what about the fan base? They expect in a in a T and What would they be happy with? The ones I know that you said that are not happy may not be happy. But what about the ones that are happy with them? Yeah, I think I think if we make the NIT this year, that's a win for Frank Hayes, and I think he keeps his job, especially if we make the NIT. Um, it's been like I said. I mean. There, there was a lot of turnover this year from last year. We lost lost a bunch of, like, really, really solid players. You might remember Daquan Jeffries from last year. He's now with the Stockton Kings um, and gets to play up with the Magic uh, often. 
And then uh, Curran Scott was our leading three-point shooter. He was a 40% three-point shooter last year, and he's now playing with Clemson. So we lost both those guys and um, Sterling Taplin as well. He's also playing professionally and had to replace three big-time talents, right? So that, that's never an easy thing. Um, and for him to bring in Rochelle, who we didn't know about last year um, from that community college, he has, he's been everything he was offered up to be and more. Like that guy, is he's an absolute baller. So he's been a huge play for us. Um, so if we can make the NIT after all that turnover, I think that's a win. Um, but like I was mentioning earlier, uh, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, 20, 2016, 2017, we went 15 and 17, and then we were 19 and 12, and then 18 and 14. Um, I think I saw, I might get this stat a little bit wrong, but I think I saw that that's the first time ever that we've been 100 or worse for three years straight in Kencom. And after that third year, last year, we gave Hayes an extension, which that really pissed a lot of people off. Um, in the Tulsa Golden Hurricane community um, because we're, like, historically a very solid basketball program, historically very high in Ken Palm rankings year over year, and to give them an extension after three years in a row of, uh, you know, pe- low, lower than 100 in Ken Palm is not great. So he definitely needs, I mean, if he can get back in the top 100 teams and make the NIT, uh, that would be a win. And I think I think people would be happy with that, especially with the amount of turnover from last year. Yeah, like you're saying, uh, as far as you guys being a historically strong basketball program, I think back to the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, I guess even going back to the early to mid-90s, uh, I think there was, what, like eight out of ten years that you guys made the, the big dance and um, <laughs> yeah. back in back in the Western Athletic Conference days. Yep, absolutely. Um, I even think you, that Danny Manning would love to be back with you guys. Uh, with oh, man, how is uh, yeah. Has he? Uh, how, I haven't even checked up on Wake Forest this year. Are they? Are they having? A, are they struggling again? Yeah, they're yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty mediocre. They just got beat by thirty-one at Duke. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, uh, man. I mean, we loved him here. I'll tell you what. But yeah, he has not. Seems like it hasn't really panned out over there with the DK. Uh, another coach I wanted to bring up. Um, I know. Obviously, this is Coach Hayes' six years. We've uh, as we stated. But um, Jerry Wainwright, uh, first-year coach on his staff, is a guy that Pirate Nation is very familiar with. He spent nearly a decade um, guiding the UNC Wilmington program um, back in the CAA days when uh, East Carolina was in that conference. And so um, talk a little bit about Coach Wainwright. Are you, have you gotten to know him any or familiar with him at all? Because I know Coach Haith and him go back to uh, 1989 at Wake Forest. Yeah, you know, I've heard his name thrown around a lot, and I know he joined, you know, back, I think it was he got hired in May or June or something of last year. Uh, but, no, I haven't had a chance, really, to hear him talk much or, or know much about his capacity with the team so far, so I, I can't speak too much to how he's been doing. All right. As far as uh, can we talk a little bit about football, obviously uh, Pirate fans are uh, very devastated to lose to Tulsa. Uh, I know the Tulsa's <laughs> record didn't show um, how good they really were, a lot of tough losses. Um, in football yep. with Philip Montgomery, but I think that uh, he, he obviously saves his job. He, he's there. Uh, can you talk about recruiting? Can you talk about the fans? Uh, are the fans happy? How, what's the reaction to Philip Montgomery keeping his job for another year or so? Yeah, that's also a mixed reaction. It's a weird time in Tulsa coaching sports world right now. Um, a lot of people are very unhappy with the coaches, and a lot of people are surprisingly optimistic about the coaches, even even with the reach results. So I guess that, I don't know, that's probably expected behavior. Um, but, yeah, I mean, keeping him this year, uh, I, I understand it. Like, even before this, this past season started, people were saying that 2020 was 
the year that this team, this football team, was going to be built for. With Zach Smith having another year at quarterback um, after sitting out the year after, you know, Baylor, um, and a lot of guys coming back, we really, really don't lose. We lose hardly anybody on offense, and we lose some big pieces on defense, but we have a lot of depth defensively as well. So a lot of people are super excited for football season next year, and I would, I would not be surprised if we made a bowl game. And we better make a bowl game for Philip Montgomery's sake because our athletic director, Derek Ragg, came out and made a statement and, you know, doesn't say it in black and white, but basically uh, very clearly said that it's bowl game or bust for Philip Montgomery this year, um, and he's gone if we don't. So I think, that's a, I think that's a very, very reasonable goal. I think if we don't get there, I mean, that will have been four straight years of not going to a bowl game, which is, again, like an unprecedented thing for Tulsa football, traditionally a very strong football school. Uh, so get it. We need to get back to that level of play where we've been in the past. And I think I, I really do think Montgomery can be a guy to get us there. He's won with us before. We had the 10 win season back in 2016, um, and he was able to pull that off with his with those kind of guys. And I think we have all the pieces back together now to get back to that level. So I'm not going to say we're going to be a 10 win uh, team next year, but we'll definitely be there. And in terms of recruiting, like you mentioned, uh, it's been a solid recruiting year. It's, it's Montgomery's best recruiting. Uh, season and is coming on six years with us here uh, by by a pretty decent margin. Um, we got a four-star recruit uh, transfer from Oklahoma State, uh, Grayson Boomer. Seth Boomer is a backup quarterback for us right now, and that guy, I mean, he was a big-time quarterback or tight end coming out of high school, and he's going to be a huge help for us. Uh, we also got just yesterday was announced um, officially two transfers from Texas A&M. We got a linebacker, Brian Johnson. Uh, who also had offers from Baylor and Arkansas and uh, those kind of guys. And then um, we had another A&M transfer who I – there it is, uh, running back, Daenerys Prince, um, also A&M, um, big-time guy, offers from Arizona, Arkansas, and some other schools too. So really solid class. Outside of the transfers, we had 18 other guys um, that were straight out of high school, and they should be solid as well. If Montgomery doesn't get it done this coming season, uh, do, is there any um, – how, how what, what kind of uh... – what kind of relationship did Todd Graham leave behind? Is he somebody that fans look back on positively that uh, you guys may consider bringing back, or, or <laughs> screw that guy? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's uh, I don't know. It's um, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think a lot of people really want to bring him back. There was chatter of it this year. Uh, you know, just he's he's not doing a ton right now, and so people thought about. Bring, possibly bringing him back, but outside of Todd Graham, I mean the relationship I think is I think is fine. He was a pretty volatile character during his time here, um, and how he left wasn't great. Uh, but I don't know. I, I could see it wouldn't be the worst case scenario bringing him, but I don't think I don't think that's the direction we are gonna go. Um, something that we were kind of we've talked about on the show in the past is bringing in this guy uh, Brennan Marion, who was a former receiver for Tulsa back in the day, uh, one of the best receivers in the NCAA when he played here. And he's been the offensive coordinator, I believe. I think it's William and Mary. I, I'm, my sickness is making me blank on this right now. I'm pretty mm. sure it's William and Mary. Um, but that guy, he's been doing a really good job. He's got a book out uh, on, yeah. on offensive strategy, and people are really yeah. He, so, he runs the he runs the unique offense guy. He's got is the African American guy. Yeah. Oh, it's the go go yeah. the go go offense. Yeah, the go go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be, be real honest with you. I'd hire Todd Graham. Over him, you think? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably that's probably a common sentiment. Um, I don't, I don't blame you. Uh, but yeah, it's a, 
he was more the, the Marion thing was more. Um, we don't have an offensive coordinator. Montgomery calls all our plays right now, and he has you know since he's been here. And after the last couple of years of not very productive offense. Um, talk has come up of possibly hiring an offensive coordinator, I and mean, he was the guy we looked at. Yeah. We were kind of well. We, we played we, we played way. William and Mary this year, and I held him to. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think six points, something like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, did, they, did they really yeah. score six on you guys? Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, the, maybe not then. I guess right now it's uh, we'll see how he does this year, and um, it's interesting though that both I hadn't thought about that both coaches have been there. Uh, I, I know it, but I just forgot to just put two and two together. Both Heath and Montgomery have been there six years. I didn't realize that both, uh, I guess I've never thought about it before. That's still a long time um, for both coaches. And um, definitely oh, you hey, have to sorry. think, I, think I, I think I lost you for a sec. Can you go back a little bit? Yeah, I was just saying that uh, I, I forgot that both of them, even though I know it, I didn't think about it, that they both been there, both coaches, Heath and Montgomery, have been there six years. That's a long time. You kind of have a resume. You kind of know what you're getting with both coaches, yep. right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, it's a it's a blessing and a curse, right? So Tulsa, I mean, a lot of schools in the American are are cursed with when do you have a good coach? They will the the American is like the jump off spot for coaches who do well to go to a power five job, and right. that's been killing us for years. But you know, I'd rather I'd rather have that. You know, have the have a successful team. Um, and then lose the head coach and get some up-and-comer who's going to hopefully be as, just as successful for you uh, instead of kind of what we seem to have now, which is, I mean, it almost seems like we're complacent with just, you know, we get the stability of having a coach for longer, but um, and we don't lose them, but we're not losing them because we're not doing very well. So I'd much rather have the, uh, you know, do well, lose the coach, get a new one, that cycle. Yeah, we've had the alternative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, our Montgomery went to Maryland and the University of Mo, as I call it now, and um, not, I think they finished three and nine in Maryland. So he has a thing with three and nine. Their um, offensive coordinator, not not their head coach. Right, right, offensive He's coordinator right. from Maryland. Yeah, um, so, gotcha. Uh, where where do you guys go from here? I know, um, obviously, with uh, we talked about it right before the show. Hard to believe that uh, with 1980, I thought it was later, but no baseball program. So after uh, basketball. Uh, is there any spring sports you guys, or is it just, uh, hey, we've got spring football and let's get ready for, for next year? Yeah, for us on the show, um, we don't do much during the summertime. Uh, we usually kind of just take that time off and get ready for next season uh, and kind of relax a little bit. But, yeah, we uh, we kind of put the brakes on it. At least that's what we did last year. I'm not sure if that's the plan again for this year or not, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we, we pretty much just take it easy. Um, we'll do some spring football update. We'll put out an episode about the spring game. Um, any kind of recruiting updates, any kind of NBA news, things like that, uh, that happens, general general kind of news about that that happens in the offseason. All right. And, Ryan, how can people, um, as far as social media, how can they follow you there? And, obviously, uh, as far as the show, how can they listen to the show? Yeah, uh, we are at Golden Hurricast on Twitter and Instagram, mostly on Twitter. We don't do a ton on Instagram, but we do do a little bit. But, yeah, mostly on Twitter there, at Golden Hurricast. Um, and if you want to shoot us an email, we are at thegoldenhurricats.gmail.com. And then if you want to listen to the, listen to the show, um, you can just any, – any podcast player, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Google Podcasts, basically all of the, all of the popular ones. Um, you can just go there and search for The Golden Hurricats, and you'll find us. Cool, man. Thank you so much, Ryan. Appreciate uh, the time, the visit, and uh, good luck to uh, The Golden Hurricane, obviously, this year, and uh, we'll see how things work out. 
Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I apologize if I was sniffling and you heard that or anything. Got a little bit of a cold today, so sorry, sorry for any of that if you heard that. All right. Well, that's all, all good. I guess uh, you're playing hurt, playing injured, but uh, we appreciate you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Always a blast coming on. Thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, I'll tell you what, great show. I got to listen to a little bit of it today, um, but if you get a chance, folks, uh, we were on there, so uh, give them the love, uh, the folks there. Uh, the Golden Hercast really enjoyed Ryan very much, and uh, definitely we'll have him back on very soon. Uh, you guys, I'll tell you what, very happy with Jaden Gardner, AAC Player of the Week again. He just, uh, wow, I've been, he's a guy that uh, we we need to definitely uh, keep him happy. Uh, I was looking at the scoreboard, and I was telling you guys yesterday, I was telling Bubba, I know, I looked at the scoreboard, it's 14 they score, uh, Gardner only had 14 points. My son, Alexander, I was at a press conference, and he was outside the press conference with, press conference with a friend of mine back in December, and he gave Alexander a high five, and now Alexander's like, my favorite player is Jaden Gardner. And so he said, how many points does he have, Daddy? And I looked up at the scoreboard. I said 14. I was like, man, he only has 14 points. And then towards the end there, he gets the he quietly gets 20 points. And then it's just it's funny how – it's just funny how like the kid like finds a way to score. He finds a way to do the intangibles, the things that uh, fundamentals of the game and different things. He he wants to win so bad, and I think that he's willing himself to win. By um, and now a lot of these guys are feeding off him, don't you think? Yeah, Jaden Gardner. That's uh, what SMU, like you mentioned, did a tremendous job on him. I, I, I can't recall exactly. I want to say he had something like six points at halftime. So he really did turn it on in the second half, like you said, uh, and um, helped us come back from down 13. But, um, but yeah, Jaden's done everything Jaden can do. I mean, not that he can't get better because he certainly can. But, I mean, he, you couldn't ask for more out of a – out of the he's only a sophomore. Yeah. <laughs> then then what Jay Gardner like is giving us, he, he just brings so much to the table, and um, both with his production and also some of the intangibles and and his leadership and so forth. But then one of the things that really helped us against SMU, you had guys like J.J. Miles who has struggled a, a lot up to this point, and he's starting to shoot the ball with a little – more consistency. Um, he he knocked down three threes and really uh, shot it well in the second half. You also had Tristan Newton and uh, Tyree Jackson, as well as Tremont Robinson White. All of them had 11 points apiece, and obviously Newton had the the big game winner that really stands out. But um, they are late. Uh, a play that I wanted to call attention to that that allowed us to tie the game at 66. There with the I guess all about a minute and a half left. Uh, we had. We had missed a free throw. Uh, I think it was Tremont and missed a free throw. It was the second of two. And then uh, Batumba had had deflected it, and that allowed Jaden Gardner to get it and lay it in and tie the ball game. And that was one of those plays that can go unnoticed, but uh, re- was really critical in allowing us to win the game. Yeah, I think another thing that uh, it's very important is, you know, we hit a lot of threes and a lot of, you know, outside shot that uh, it's not always exactly characteristic of our team. Uh, I think a lot of times we depend a little too much on Jaden. And, I mean, he, he really does pick up the load. But I think as 
we go on in the season, teams are going to start, you know, taking notice to the fact that that he's so dominant, and um, I think they're going to start shutting him down, you know, double, triple teaming him. So I think it's important to hit those outside shots to kind of draw some of that attention away from him, so he can so he can do his work. Something else I want to mention, guys, on kind of shifting gears from basketball. Um, I wanted to talk some rankings. I'm starting off with um, the, the final AP poll and as well as the final coaches poll came out. Um, four American teams ranked in that final poll, and the rankings were actually the same uh, for, for both polls. Um, you had Memphis ranked 17th in, in both polls. Uh, you had Navy at 20th, Cincinnati at 21st, and UCF at 24th. Um, and then you also had three other teams um, from the so-called Group of Five conferences. You had App State at 19th, uh, Air Force at 22nd, and then also Boise State at 23rd. And, um, and that was in the AP poll. Uh, App State was 18th in the, in the coaches, while Air Force and Boise were actually flip-flopped in those uh, with Boise 22nd and, and Air Force 23rd. So, um, and that's, and that was awesome to see um, the American finish up with that many teams in the poll. Yeah, it was uh, great because, you know, at some point, at some point, we always talk about this, but at some point, the whole stupid Power Five and Group of Five terminology will go away. It's media-driven anyway, um, autonomy, whatever you want to call it. When you're doing the same thing, I mean, it is what it is, Division One, period. And it's just totally dumb. And the other thing is I've always uh, heard, well, you're going to have to beat the teams, and then you'll get the respect, and you'll finally, well, we're beating the teams. We've been beating the teams consistently. It's not like a, a shot in the bottle, like every once in a while, like a fluke kind of thing. It's something we're doing on a regular basis every single year of the American. We're winning in football, basketball, baseball, I mean, just everything. And so it's frustrating to see that. It is great to see for the league four teams, so a third of the conference is top 25. It's not just one good team in the league. Uh, and then the great news is guys with uh, Tulane, I mean, there's a whole bunch of teams that um, the coaching staffs are tremendous. They're doing better. And then uh, <clears throat> with our guest there with Ryan Token out of the Golden um, Hurricast. Hurricast, I'm sorry. It's getting late. Um, the fact that we're talking to him about Philip Montgomery, they feel like that they're going to, uh, with the recruiting class coming, that what they just had for earlier um, back in December, they feel like they're going to have a better year coming up. So there's a lot of teams that have been struggling in football and basketball for uh, those two particular sports that they're going to actually do very well, I think, this year. And um, do I think they're going to win 10, 12 games? No. But I think that there's going to be more teams that, I'll just say it like this, there will be more teams from the bottom of the conference. It'll be this year, I believe, bowl eligible. The Pirates, I mean, I know Brennan um, is tired of waiting, but I think that we're going to finally be bowl eligible this year. I really do, even though it's a tough um, tough schedule. I do think we will be. And I think um, when you look at the Pirates uh, with the recruiting class, uh, speaking of which, uh, let's talk about C.J. Johnson. How about a great uh, – that was a great accolade, Bubba. Yeah, 
yeah, what a tremendous freshman season C.J. Johnson had. The the local product from uh, D.H. Conley High School uh, finished the year with 54 catches for a little over 900 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, he was named to the Football Writers Association of America uh, freshman All-American team. And uh, it was certainly well-deserved. Um, he had a little bit of a slow start to his career, um, but you, know, you could see the potential. And then, man, in October, he just exploded. Uh, he yeah. he he had, um, I was looking at it, he had 33 catches for uh, close to 600 yards, pushing 600 yards in the month of October. And the game that really stands out is obviously that heartbreaking loss to 17th-ranked Cincinnati. Yeah. In, in that day or in that night, I guess I should say, he had 12 catches for 283 yards. Just unbelievable. really was. And, you know, Brennan, uh, he's a player that the good news is um, – I was thinking about this last week, um, and then I saw the the press release from Tom McClellan. Appreciate him very much. He's always been good to me and, and the podcast to the guys. But I'm so excited because you think about with Holden Aylers and he and he both went to DH College. They played together. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, they actually have two more years together. Can you imagine in two years? And two more years with recruiting, two more years with Coach Houston and the company and the whole staff. I mean, I really believe that two more years, you can honestly say that we'll be back to what we call pirate football. A lot has to happen, I know. But what do you think, guys? I mean, don't you think you can see the program heading in the right direction? We are talking about basketball earlier, but the football team uh, with Coach Mike Houston, there's no question about it. Um, I, uh, I'm... I really believe they're heading in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, with uh, C.J. Johnson, and we, uh, and we have to give Montgomery credit, his third year he finally started recruiting like he should have been recruiting the first year. His coaching staff was finally what he needed to be. Um, but that I have to give him props. So a lot of the, the players, um, actually the Eastern North Carolina players, for example, in this case, um, he was able to get stayed home. And uh, East of I-95, and that's what we need every single year. Do we need every single player to be from Eastern North Carolina? No, but we need a lot of good players, local players. That's what brings the butts to the seats when you have a C.J. Johnson whose family, friends, people that love D.H. Conley, same thing with Holden Aylers. Uh You could say Keziah Everett with Farmel um, Central and Travion Freshwater in Elizabeth City. Um, a lot of these guys that we got from that class are local guys, and they're they're going to be they may be three stars, uh, freshwater four, Holton four, um, but they're going to play like five stars when they're uh, in their local crowd coming to see them in Dowdy Ficklin. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see those uh, local guys, those Eastern North Carolina kids, staying home. Um, you mentioned a lot of them in this. Uh, most recent class, and you have Elijah Robinson, the JUCO product out of Lewisburg, who's originally from Wilmington, yeah. and, as far as being one of those east of I-95 guys, and then also Javian McCray um, from down in Brunswick County, playing for former Pirate uh, Brett Hickman. And so you know, those are a couple of examples in this most recent class, and uh, there were certainly some others as well on them, but... Kind of along along those lines, guys. Um, I remember, you know, Coach Houston talked about how there's going to be ten mid-year enrollees, and um, so out of those ten mid-year enrollees, and that just began their uh, academic careers at East Carolina, 
you have uh, seven on the defensive side of the ball. You have Eric Doctor, um, also the Juco products, Henry Garrison and Elijah Robinson, those defensive ends, uh, J.P. McCray, Tegan Wilt, um, Taylor Jackson, and also uh, Jason Romero from down in Scotland County. And then on the offensive side, you have a highly touted running back from um, Burns High School down in South Carolina, Raji Harris, and then offensive lineman Walt Stribling. And then the other ones on the special team side, our 27-year-old Aussie punter, Luke Lawson. Yeah, I'm very excited. That's a... <clears throat> And that's a trend in football now to get um, Australian punters. I guess the like the guys are in Australian rules football, um, but that's been something that um, Mike Houston's done an excellent job of uh, getting. And you know, uh, games are won and lost a lot by special teams, and some coaches don't put the emphasis on special teams. Coach Houston's done that; he's done a nice job with that. And uh, you know, we're not Alabama. We're not one of the brand name programs. So my point being is we're not always going to be have access to those five-star guys. That's okay. Um, sometimes we're going to have to win games um, <clears throat> on a block punt. Or uh, look at, uh, man, back in 2008 we had that. But we're going to have to win those games, um, especially right now with special teams. And Roy Tess has done a nice job with a special teams coordinator. Uh, let's uh, definitely – Get behind them. Um, we got a. By the way, I'm not gonna tell you what it is now, but we have a. We'll tell you, Brendan, off the air too. We got a special promotion. We're gonna start in February, um, and I'm telling you, folks, you're gonna be very excited about it. Um, we'll talk about that. I wanted to tease that. What else do you have, Bubba? Also, wanted to uh, talk about um, the D1 baseballs preseason poll came out, and the Pirates ranked 21st in that. Um, and they had also had a couple of other rankings. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, in another poll, they were something like uh, 23rd or 24th, I want to say. And then the yeah. Collegiate Baseball poll, which is always kind of, 36. Yeah, 30, 36. That's ridiculous. So, so, but the good news is, I mean, that is great. Um, good exposure for the program, but um, it means absolutely nothing. Uh, and so just cannot wait. Uh, it's hard to believe that we're – we're here just, uh, I guess, about two and a half weeks from um, the um, baseball banquet, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, February, I'm, 1st. February 1st. And then um, just a month from today, actually, uh, as far as opening day against William and Mary. That's hard to believe, but, hey, uh, that's what it's all about. We're looking forward to a great season uh, with Coach Godwin. Um, I'll tell you what, you talk about basketball and the – the baseball team being there, um, it just shows you that, that Cliff Godwin is uh, definitely more than just a baseball coach. He gets what it means to be a Pirate. Very excited. Uh, one of the funniest things was to me, um, the cool thing, I don't mean to say funny, uh, was when the Wichita State, there's Cliff Godwin. He was in the huddle. He's like, I mean, you could just see the guy is the real deal, and uh, we got to get behind him. Get your season tickets, by the way, folks. For, for uh, certainly for football, they have those on sale right now and baseball. One eight hundred dial ECU, and you can uh, also go to ecupirates dot com. Get your tickets. Baseball, I'm telling you, folks, uh, another great year. And um, and I think that um, some people may think that 
Um, at the worst case scenario, we'll make a regional. Um, I think the question becomes: Do we make? Um, do we host another regional? I don't know. That, have we ever hosted three regionals in a row, Bubba? Not that I can no, remember. We, we we never hosted uh, two in a row prior to that's last right, year. That's right. So. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, so that would be another historic thing. Coach Godwin was like, "Hey guys, <laughs> pump the brake, get the brake, put the brakes on." We haven't even started yet, but it's just fun to be able to talk about baseball. And um, we we'll have to get our buddy Corey Glore back on and Coach I know Overton. He said he's going to come on yeah. again with us, so we'll have them on here pretty soon. Um, and our buddy Stassi Moore. Uh, we got a lot of great guests coming up, um, Bubba. I know there's more stuff you want to talk about, right? Yeah. In addition to um, talking pirate baseball with Corey Glore and Coach O, um, we'll we'll have some former. Pirate baseball players on, um, probably guys like Corey Scott and um, Davey Penny, guys we've had on in the past. Um, enjoy catching up with those guys and talking about the upcoming season as well as uh, sharing some memories from their days playing for Coach LeClaire or, or um, Coach O, et cetera. Um, but like you said, we'll have longtime color analysts of 20-plus years, uh, Cy Seymour joining the show um, to preview Sunday's game at Cincinnati and then just talking about the season to this point and the progression of this ball club. We'll also have um, from from Cincinnati, um, we'll have uh, their 24-7, um, their equivalent of Stephen Igo, if you will, Chad Brindle. Uh, he's been on the podcast a few times, and he will rejoin us to, to talk about uh, John Bannon's ball club um, with the Bearcats. I'll tell you what, and by the way, the uh... – there was a poll out today. I sent you guys, not to send to you, Brennan, too. Um, there's a poll out, uh, early <laughs> top 25 poll for college football, and they had uh, Cincinnati and Memphis are on there, um, or the only two American teams they had on there. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic put that out, and um, and they actually had, uh, and he's going to kill me for saying this, I better not say it, but they actually also say Brennan's favorite team, but if not, that was sarcasm. Um, the Tar Heels, they had a 24, oh, um, on the, I was just, that was one of those shocking takeaways. Pretty much everything I, I, uh, I think I want to say Cincinnati was 18th and Memphis was like 20 or 21. And, um, they had the Tar Heels at 24th. Um, just thought that was yeah, interesting. It, no. Yeah. That, I mean, coming off a of seven and six season, um, I, I get the, I get the frustration and I, and I, I just, even looking at it objectively, I mean, I, I don't know what they return next year, so I, I guess I can't look at it, but so objectively. But I'm just knowing the momentum that Mac Brown's brought back to that program, and then Sam Howe ha- having a stellar yeah. freshman season, I can see that has not surprised me at all that they're 23rd in that preseason poll. But um, and of course, this year they took Clemson down to the wire and nearly knocked them off, and um, had some other near misses. So, so they won seven and could have very, could have very nine or ten, won, won probably nine or ten. So I, that did not, that did not surprise me at all when you told me that earlier. Well, it's it's early. It's something that we can talk about. You know, it's literally the day after the national championship game. I'm embarrassed to say I fell asleep and <laughs> I was exhausted last night. I even tried to sit in front of my television and I literally fell asleep on the floor. I was so desperate. So I missed the, 
I, was, I saw the beginning of the fourth quarter, but I fell asleep in the first minute or two of the first or the fourth quarter. So, um, uh, what did you guys think before we go? What did you think about the national championship game? I made it. I was able to make it uh, through the entire thing. I did start struggling there with about uh, oh nine or ten minutes left in the ball game uh, when when LSU had built that seventeen point lead. Yeah. I guess it was. And you felt pretty confident that they were going to go on to win it. That's when uh, I was on the verge of um, passing out. But um, but yeah, Clemson they they certainly uh, had things rolling early on. Um, I guess one of, one of the key plays there um, in late in the first half. That's on the second quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that that penalty um, that they had uh, the defensive pass interference that allowed uh, LSU to go on, go on uh, and get a touchdown and uh so that was a that was a killer for them um, but but yeah when they had that 17-7 lead I, I I certainly thought LSU would put up some points but I was I was a little concerned uh, having taken LSU in my my contest uh, I needed them to uh, win by at least 6 because at the point um that that we had picked the game it was um LSU minus 5 and a half so so uh, I, I was a little concerned, um, but fortunately the the Bayou Bengals came back and uh, did it for me, and I'm a hundred dollars richer. There you go, and uh, Brennan, uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be nice when um, <clears throat> what I want to see for our program for East Carolina. We've never been to a New Year's New Year's Six Bowl. Um, that's something I want really bad for the program. Was the Peach and... Bowl not a New Year's Six Bowl? No, well, well, it's different. Yeah. It was different back then. Yeah, um, but but you're right. Yeah, that was one of the the household games back back then. Um, it was a much bigger deal than it is now to play a game on New Year's Day. That's when all the coverage right. bowl games, like the Orange Bowl and Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, etc., were played. Um, so, but before uh, they they started being bumped around for various reasons. Yeah, um, but uh, certainly that's a that's a big yeah that that's uh the watermark of the program, I would have to say, is that the 11 and one season, most wins in uh, school history. I mean, that way, easily the Illinois game, the very beginning of the year, we had some questionable calls um, with that game. It was at Illinois, um, but anyway, we we almost had the perfect. It was really close to being a perfect season, um, but anyway, that was uh, certainly. Uh, up there, but just a point of, um, as far as the program is concerned, I really was hoping, um, I am hoping the next few years with under the leadership of Mike Houston that we can be knocking at the door. I really believe that. I really believe that he's going to do it. And, uh, hey, we could talk hours about how much we love Mike Houston. It's not the Mike Houston podcast or uh, the fan club, but I am a card-carrying member of the Mike Houston fan club. And Bubba and Kyle have been, We've all been fans of Mike Houston for many years, even before he came to East Carolina. And he was uh, on our podcast in July, uh, the last season of JMU, before he's hired in December. So anybody that thinks that we're not Mike Houston fans, we're a bandwagon. Um, I've known him all the way back to when he was coach at Lenore Ryan. Um, with taking, that's when I learned about him when he took the Division Three team, um, Lenore Ryan and Hickory, to the the playoffs and not only took him to the playoffs but the the national championship game for division three so yeah uh, not that i'm having anything to prove here but uh anyway uh one of my d2 d2 
I'm going to say these. Um, God, I am tired. Division two. Sorry about that. Division two. Um, but it was a lot of fun uh, for sure to follow his career and glad to have him. Glad to have Joe Dooley. Glad to have Cliff Godwin. All our coaches. And we'll try to have on more coaches. So people ask me that. I had a couple people ask me recently, by the way, Bubba, if we're going to have more ECU coaches on. So we'll work on, I guess that's one of the things they like about that we're doing more than just the big three sports. So we try to give as much love as we can. If we did, Brendan knows this and Bubba and Kyle, if we did a daily show, which we don't have the time to do, then we would able been able to do much more and have more, more coverage. But, you know, yeah, Brendan is a student. He's doing an internship. We have families. We have lives. We have jobs and all that. So uh, we can't always do everything we want, right? I guess that's life. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. Well, you guys have anything else before we put this podcast to bed? No. If, you, if you're listening to this early, early in the day on Wednesday, just get out to Williams Arena Menchie's Coliseum. Um, if you're unable to make it out, so you can certainly tune in on ESPN3 and watch the Pirates hopefully pick up their third win in a row and uh, get to 9-8 and eight overall, 3-1 and one in the American. And listen to our good friends Jeff Charles and Cy Seymour, Lear- Learfield IMG College. They do a fantastic job. And uh, speaking of fantastic job, thank you, Brennan, for the practice support. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you, Kyle from the Grange Barber, Bubba Rosenbaum, and Ryan Token. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.